Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the most injured team in football history. I'll say that, which is based on nothing. Uh, <laughs> Heart of Midlothian. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by a maybe slightly sleepy Mark Donaldson. Yeah, from from a hotel room in New York, having had about three hours sleep after finishing at about three o'clock this morning uh, at the US Open Tennis. Good morning. How are you? Um, good afternoon from across the pond. I'm well, probably better rested than you, given I don't have the tennis to cover. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not bad. Uh, I'll start with a apology for some technical issues i'll call it last week um which basically meant after i uploaded the audio from last week or thought i'd uploaded it i then attached it to the relevant um podcast update via our website which is where all the podcast um applications pull their streams from it wasn't until i woke up in the morning and i got a message um that i realized I had not uploaded the latest audio and had just um, in autopilot picked the last file which was uploaded, which was the previous week's show. So um, a few people had started listening on Thursday and were listening to the previous episode. Um, after some discussions with the host for our website, uh, their technical support, we managed to uncover the problem and they fixed it. But apologies if anyone got the wrong episode. I had a little delay. Um, hopefully we will not have any issues uh, of that kind this week. Although I imagine your audio might not quite be the same quality as normal, Mark, given you're on the road today. I you, I, I don't know, and I've, I I I hope you can <laughs> uh, you can translate what you've just said into English for us all as well. I woke up to about five tweets from the. Scarves around the funnel account wondering what the hell was going on. And I'm glad everything was fixed. <laughs> um, but getting on with the show, we will cover the Celtic Hearts match from last weekend. We'll discuss that. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about um, injuries and a little bit about Craig Levine. And we will also discuss matches that you missed, uh, which was the homework subject and we will also look ahead finally to Hart's next match, which is at home to Hamilton Ackies. So, first up, uh, Celtic against Hearts. Uh, not a happy hunting ground for the Jambos. Uh, we mentioned last year, almost a decade since they've won there, and over 12 years since they've won a league game. They'd lost 15 of their last 16 visits there, and... Uh, Many will have expected it to be 16 losses out of the last uh, 17 after full time, and it turned out to be pretty much as expected. Um, in terms of the team, Mark, uh, little surprise with that either, really. It was exactly as you called it uh, from the win over Motherwell. Uh, Jamie Walker, who's of course now injured, was uh, removed, and in came Glenn Whelan for his debut, which gave Hearts, you could call it a 4-3-3, but probably more of a 4-3-2-1 or 4-5-1, so Pereira and goals with Hearts at the back four, more of a sitting midfield three of Demure, Whelan and Irving. Claire and Mulraney expected to go forward a little bit more, and Washington up front. Um, what I thought I would do to start with, um, I had some notes and 
things I was going to discuss, but I, I got an email from one of our listeners uh, which uh, really summarised all of it very well. Um, this is from a Romanian Hearts uh, supporter. Uh, didn't know there was many. Maybe the only one. Who knows? Um, this is uh, Claudio Berbeci. I've probably said that wrong. My apologies to you if I have. But I will read through your email now. Um, so he messaged and said, Hi guys, my name is Claudio and I may very well be the only Romanian supporter of Hearts. I've been following the team for more than 15 years, last five years as a Hearts TV subscriber. Why, you may ask? Don't have a very complex answer. I just always liked Scotland. I love Edinburgh and have a lot of time for football. When I discovered Hearts, it seemed the right thing to do. Still does, despite... Then he adds an ellipsis. Right, no digressing. I've been listening to your podcast for half a year. I find that it helps manage the loneliness of my Hearts bubble. I live in Brussels, where I may very well be the only Hearts fan in town. I'm sure you're getting lots of negative messages at the moment, so I'll try to keep it objective. Here's my take on the Hearts' latest game and the team's overall direction under Levine. First, a few snippets on the game. 1. Hearts showed no intent before going one goal down, as if the plan was to concede so we can get that out of our system. I see Levine said he planned to counter, but the low tempo, early on time wasting and general idleness suggests a classic contain tactic. Moreover, the two or three times that Hearts managed to get the ball in a crossing position with the score at 0-0, they just rotated the turret and passed back. Second point, first shot on target came in about the 40th minute. It literally took the madness of youth, Hickey's shot, to signal that Hearts were actually in the game. Next point, apart from the slow tempo and tame attitude, which one can uh, also blame on the August heatwave. The team also seemed unprepared tactically. I know there's no shortage of armchair managers, but if we're being honest, anyone who's ever watched Hibs or Celtic in the last five years knows, he actually says Ken's, that Lennon likes to play on the wings and encourages the players to shoot from distance. This is how we conceded all the goals. They were all avoidable. Despite this being a predictable rather lethargic Celtic display, Hearts played very deep and very narrow for the majority of the game, allowing them all the space they needed on the wings, including through loose marking of the man with the ball, which enabled a cross for the first and third goals. Despite falling behind, we continued to defend deep and were punished soon after the break, which also begs the question of what happened in that locker room for 15 minutes. Why did Hearts not show a bit more drive and desire coming out for the second half? Also goes on to say, Levine may have indirectly answered the question when he said that a lot of our players did well. This tells me that the lack of drive comes from the lack of ambition. In other words, the game plan seems to have been to go to Celtic and lose honourably, which would have been fine if one, Levine was coaching a lowly championship side, and two, if the game plan were in any way successful, which when we nearly conceded four, it clearly was not. Um, a couple of bit, m- bits more from Claudio. I think it's good to go through everything that he mentioned. Um, he says, going on, a few subjective thoughts on Hearts in general. Again, without the pretense of tactical acumen or managerial brilliance, because many things are that are wrong with Hearts at the moment are not necessarily related to these requirements. Yes, Levine is dour, antiquated and inflexible. But if we transcend the borders of Scottish football for a moment and look at similar coaches, we'll see that the old school approach can still deliver. Two of the most recent examples, the way Steve Bruce steered Newcastle to win at White Hart Lane, and again the Magpies were widely expected to lose, perhaps even heavily, and the way that Dan Petrescu Petrescu got Cluj to knock out Celtic from the Champions League this month. They were both conservative, overly careful, and in awe of their opponents. 
but they both speculated weaknesses and seized on mistakes, which Levine and Hearts did not do on Sunday and have rarely done over the past two years. Because instead of saying what Chris Wilder said after Sheffield's defeat at home to Leicester at the weekend, that he doesn't applaud, credit or reward lost games, Levine came out and said, we restricted them very well, allowing Celtic five shots at goal is fairly reasonable. Levine and Hearts through him don't only lack footballing prowess, but also attitude and ambition. I realise that I'm not a native Hearts fan. I've only been to a couple of games at Tancastle and don't know any other Hearts supporters. I'm also not a social media warrior for the Maroon banner, but I'm an avid football follower and have the advantage of being able to observe things from afar. So maybe you'll not find my thoughts completely nonsensical. Still fine if you do, mind. Apologies for what has been a cumbersome letter. I did warn you it gets lonely in the Romanian-Belgian hearts bubble. Hope to stay in touch. Regards, Claudio. Um, I thought that was a really good email. I, I, I know it's quite long, so I hope everyone um, was able to bear with me while I went through that. But it summarised really how I kind of felt about the game and after the match and about hearts in general, I suppose, recently. I thought that was excellent. Really, really good. And I think we found our new manager <laughs> for, for Claudio. Not, there's some English words he's used in there that a lot of Scots wouldn't even know. Uh, that, 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 that was excellent on a whole. And I think when you've got someone who is not entrenched and ensconced in a bubble for 30 years of his or her life and has only kind of joined the bandwagon or, or whatever um, relatively recently. And I think, what did you say? They've been a fan for 15 years or, 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 or something? He mentioned that he had followed the team for more than 15 years um, and was a Hearts TV subscriber for the last five. So I suppose he's yeah. maybe seen a lot of games the last five yeah, years yes. then. So. Okay, so I think I think, I think think he, Claudio, is in a, a good position to, to comment without the kind of baggage of um, bias or the baggage of uh, having seen Hearts under Craig Levine kind of first time round. Uh, I think I, I just think that, that's excellent, and I think it touches on a number of, of, of things. Uh, the fact that there's there's no kind of um, there's no bias taken from social media because they're clearly not someone who who subscribes to Twitter or anything like that and and has their mind warped by what they maybe read and it's it's, it's just pure kind of this is what I've seen this is what I think a lot of good points in there um, especially with the Celtic game which I know we'll get onto as well. There's something clearly not right. When, when you, as I say, you, you mentioned I'm here in New York and I've not had much sleep. I've woken up to the BBC Scotland website uh, with the headline saying, Hearts, what has happened two years into Craig Levine's second stint? I think from Claudio's perspective, there's a, there's a lot of home truths in there. The big question is, what now? And if you look at the Celtic game, it makes some really good points because... I went to Celtic Park and I messaged a few people before the game and said I'm slightly more optimistic than normal because I think Celtic are potentially there for the taking today because we knew they were going to rest a few bigger players because they're in the uh, this game is sandwiched in between two big Europa League games um, against AIK of Sweden. They won the first like two nil, but not done and dusted. So we knew they would have one eye on. Um, well, what's tomorrow now, but at the time, obviously, the following week. Um, 
it was going to be a very warm day. Celtic had a game just obviously three um, three days prior. I felt it was a big opportunity. We saw them struggle a bit against Dunfermline the week before. They'd drawn a lot of criticism. They'd conceded four at home to uh, Romanian side Cluj, which obviously Claudio mentioned as well. Um, I think where my naivety was, <laughs> forgetting that it was still Craig Levine in charge, because I still maintain after the game, and I still said it to a few people who went, well, how did that go for you? I said, well, I still maintain they were there for the taking. Celtic never got out with second gear, but we let them sit in second gear and never have to up the tempo. <clears throat> the game was completely low tempo, which suited Celtic down to the ground because they didn't want to overexert themselves with a big game coming up um, and having played on Thursday night. And we just sat off them. And you can see the goals we conceded, it was just so simple. It was just careless, um, careless from hearts. And we never really went at them. And yeah, Craig Levine was right. We restricted them to five shots on goal. And I, apart from the three goals, they didn't have, really have any clear chances. As but I was driving... Sorry, Larry. Go on. No, go on. No, no. I was just saying, as I was driving down to the train station on Sunday, listening to the, the post-match uh, re- reports um, and analysis on the BBC, uh, Tom English and, uh, and others were not so much having a go at Craig Levine for saying the, the five shots, but... It, Celtic won. Celtic Celtic scored three goals. It doesn't matter how many shots on target you have. In essence, we may have scored two of them for them. We certainly scored one through Christoph Berra. But the bottom line is, uh, and let's cut to the chase here, your, your future is not going to be judged on a game against no. Celtic no. at Celtic. It's going to be judged this weekend against Hamilton. And then if he's still there, which I assume he will be the following week against Motherwell. But that doesn't mean to say you can just throw it away and whatever happened at Celtic Park is irrelevant. Because I think when I said last week I didn't want us to go there and get our tummies tickled, I, from what I saw, I saw two things. One, a Celtic team that wasn't really out of second or third gear. And two, I'll never know if they would have needed to get out of that. Mm -hmm. Could they have got out of, of second or third gear? How good were they? Because... They weren't really tested. And I think that's the biggest frustration. And you mentioned the fact that Hearts possibly scored two of their goals. It was a bizarre post-match interview. I mean, you maybe I, I was in it. Um, obviously, you were saying you were listening to it. But there was definitely a lot of, after Levine's interview, going, why did we just spend three quarters of it debating whether the final touch on Celtic's goals was our a Hearts player or a Celtic player? It just seemed like a bizarre... Because it mean, it, it's good. Well, it's good from his perspective, isn't it? Because it means we're not talking about anything else. We're not talking about him. Yeah. I and mean, that's deflection tactics for me. It, it just seems so bizarre. Like, who cares? It means nothing whether it, you know, it'll some, they obviously the statos will want to know exactly, but whether it came off Bio or it came off Berra or Halka, I mean, it's a goal. It doesn't matter. It changes nothing. And we ended up in this odd debate and it, it turned into discussing with Neil Lennon a lot, discussing with Craig Levine a lot, and then Bio came out. And then that was the debate ongoing. I was like, we've spent three quarters of everyone's press conference discussing who got the final touch on two goals. I mean, it just seemed it just seemed very, just very pointless in the grand scheme of the game to discuss who yeah. got a boot on things. And why would defenders want to claim goals? Why, as an own goal, oh. why would you want to? Let's be honest about something here. We we played Celtic away, Aberdeen away, Ross County at home. More than likely we should be sitting on three points with a win at home and, and two defeats away. We've had the two defeats away, 
But we should have lost at home. We should be on zero points. And if we hadn't have scored through Connor Washington after the missed penalty and then the rebound that he put away, we would be bottom of the table. Um, we're on a minus three goal difference. We're only not bottom because Kilmarnock have not scored as many goals as us. And the only reason um, that that if we'd been level on points with Kilmarnock, level on goals with Kilmarnock, level on goals conceded with Kilmarnock, that we would be above them, if that was the case, is because our name starts with the letter H and theirs starts with the letter K. So we're just ahead of them because we've scored more. It's not good enough. Celtic away is not to be judged on whether a manager should stay or go. It should be part of the argument long term. This Saturday for me is one of the biggest games that Hearts have played in a while as far as the future of Craig Levine is concerned. Before we move on, I did want to discuss the fact that um, Michael Smith obviously hobbled off um, just less than 20 minutes in. Um, in the aftermath of the game, it transpires that Joel Pereira will have to return to Manchester United for some treatment following a thigh injury as well. Um, Craig Fowler put a piece up for the Edinburgh Evening News talking about significant injuries suffered by Hearts players in 2019, um, which lists um, Michael Smith for his injury against Auchinleck Talbot back um, in f- uh, February time, Dimitri Mitchell's knee injury, Stephen Naismith's knee injury, Ben Garuccio, Peter Haring, Aidan Keena, Callum Morrison, Uchek Piezu, Ollie Lee, Craig White, John Souter, Stephen Naismith, Jamie Walker, Michael Smith second time, Joel Pereira, Harry Cochran, various times, Marcus Godinho. And if you want to stretch it back to a year, uh, the whole year, so into the summer of 2018 onwards, then you've got Christoph Berra, John Souter the first time around, Uchek Piezu the first time around, and Stephen Naismith the first time around with two knee injuries. Um... Now, there's obviously a couple of those. Jamie Walker's leg fracture, Uche's foot injury. They're completely flukes based on impact collisions and games, etc. And a few of the others, I'm sure, can be attributed to that. But you're talking into the 20s of of notable injuries in the space of a year. Um, I know it's been discussed before, but it doesn't seem to be changing. And I, I'm no fitness coach or physio or... or clinically trained in any respect but it just seems too much of a coincidence to just say we're really unlucky constantly is it just me it just seems it just seems mental that we've had that many injuries in this short spell had it not have been for a quote which i'm about to read you that craig levine gave to the media in july i would have thought you know what it's is it just bad luck? Why, why is it? I mean, what, what's going on here? Um, but guys like Pereira were injured during the actual game. But here, here's here's the quote that, that he's talking about. This is from uh, July regarding the injuries, uh, whether it was just bad luck or whatever. We've looked at the whole thing at great depth. We train on a lot of different pitches here at Rickerton, and we decided we're going to stick to a couple to see if the same surface helps. I don't know. 
We've looked into it in great detail, and when you go down the injuries, Callum Morrison tore his cartilage in a game. Godinho did the same. You get down to all these things. I don't know if you can call it bad luck. We couldn't find any pattern or reason for it. Most of them were impact injuries. Most happened in games. We don't use the AstroTurf. The kids use that. We train on the grass all the time. There'll be some occasions in the winter where we are always out there in the big indoor arena or we can't get on grass, but that's rare. And finally, they are the closest to the surface at Tynecastle. There is no reason for it, really. It's just a precaution, really. There is no reason other than thinking, let's try and get a uniformity of surface. Is that one of the reasons? But when most of them happen in games? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those things. But it doesn't help him when it comes to trying to defend his position, does it? No, and I, I mean, he's right that obviously the majority did happen in games. It's just whether there's something in preparation, which is, I, guess, I suppose, making players more susceptible to to injuries, whether it's impact or whether it's on the surface. And there's certainly been a lot of knee-related ones as well, which I guess in a simplistic way is a lot to do with surface, isn't it? Because when you're running um, or when you're moving around, it's a lot to do with the, the surface you're on, whether it's astral pitch or, or whether it's grass or whether you're just you know jogging, I guess, outside on whatever surface it might be. So I, I, as I say, I'm not going to, pretend to have any in-depth knowledge of it it just it's getting to the point where i can't imagine they aren't still looking at it internally and wondering and they're, you know, they're not necessarily going to come out and tell the media or, or tell the public that but they've obviously discussed it from what he said there and looked at things and the surface must have come up as a subject matter if they are trying to you know be a bit more consistent and not use too many different pitches or slightly different kinds of surfaces it just, um, it's one of those things, I suppose, which when things aren't going well, people put, shine a spotlight on anything they possibly of can. Course. Um, but it's just, if it is just bad luck, then it's like tearing your hair out. I couldn't, I actually burst out laughing when um, I opened the news update and it said Joel Pereira's returned to Manchester United with an injury. I was like, oh, come on, um, because we're going to be in our third keeper and we're not even past August this weekend. Celtic have done that as well, I think. I think they've used Scott Bain, Craig Gordon, and now Fraser Forster. Uh, one of them was uh, by injury, I think, and the other was by choice. We've now got Colin Doyle, who he's he's, uh, he's fine. I don't have any qualms about him playing at the weekend because he's not Bobby. Um, but I mean, he's he, he's fine. He's he's a backup goalkeeper. That that that's what he is, and hopefully he'll not be too busy when Hamilton come to Tynecastle. I think that the difference with Doyle and Zlamal, I felt, was always that Doyle at least seemed to instill some level of <laughs> some level of confidence in the defenders in front of him. And although he did have that blunder against Motherwell, I thought on the whole the defence felt a lot steadier and a lot better organised with Doyle there, which for a home game against Hamilton is hopefully all you will need. You you hopefully won't be having your keeper tested repeatedly because we we know we've said before that we do think Bobby's probably the slightly better shot stopper but the Ross County game was one of the worst goalkeeping displays I've ever seen uh, from a hearts from a hearts keeper uh, maybe going back to the you know the, the Kurskis uh, sort of matches oh. in the um but it was it was unbelievably bad so hopefully if Doyle's in he can at least have the defense confident that there won't be any ridiculous moments from him and hearts can focus on going forward. Tepi Moylan reminded me 
uh, or Bobby's Lamal reminds me a little bit of Tepi Moylan and in that uh, A, I would rather have the Finn, but but B, I, I'm not sure I, exactly what you're saying. I think the defence in front of them are a little bit, a little bit uh, less confident uh, and trustworthy in the man behind them. And I remember Moylan made a mess of a, a late goal. I think it was Gary O'Connor at Easter Road yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah you, you just have to, you have to have confidence in the man behind you, whether it's to come and collect, not to not to get knocked into next week um, when you come and, and clear it. If you're Christoph Berra and um, you suddenly have a goalkeeper coming over your shoulder and in Superman mode and just all sorts of chaos emanating from a long ball forward. It's funny, you were talking about the goalkeeper Colin Doyle and the Hamilton game. Hopefully he'll not be, uh, he'll not be too busy. <laughs> but that's what we thought about the Ross County game and, and look mm-hmm. what happened. I just I can't uh, overemphasize enough how big a game this is for for so many people um, connected with the football club this weekend. Outside of it, it's just another game. For anybody outside of Hearts, they just look at it, it's just another fixture. But but for us, I don't know if it'll be played up in the press. Obviously, Craig Levine will, will, will meet them um, prior to the game and it'll be interesting to get his thoughts on it. But now, um, I have to say, at, at, at times, Laurie, it's like being the husband of a wife who you know is correct, but she just won't shut up. And all you hear is, <laughs> nah. It's just noise now mm-hmm. at times. Um, whereas the difference being you know she's right, I'm not sure that, 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 that Craig Levine now is, has got, he's got many Hearts fans left on board with, with the comments. And, and w- what I wanted to mention this week as well, I know Anne Budge gave an interview with um, with the BBC with Brian McLaughlin, a good friend of mine from from Pennycook, and, and Brian well. Uh, Brian's the type of guy who he asks good questions, but he's not frightened to put a call into to PR departments and say, "Can we get X? Can we get Y?" Um, I'm not sure that the the responses and and has been great for the football club. Um, Maybe if there's one criticism, it's it's she's too honest at times, and there were one or two answers which have been taken in in isolation um, from that interview. That I don't know. Maybe honesty is never a fault, and and I would I would never criticise anyone for give, give me someone who's who's honest over over someone who hides things, whether it's the the constant uh, updates that she has given used to give via the website. I, 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 I fully applaud all of that. But with that one, um, it's difficult because Hearts fans want answers. And if she doesn't talk, she gets criticised for not speaking. When she does talk, some will say, well, she's been too honest and, and here, here's what it is. There were just one or two things that when taken in isolation, you thought, really? Is that is that is that the case? It's a tough one. Yeah, and I... I, I, I... I think the the difficulty is she's obviously been asked the question and does feel that she should give an answer. And some of them, I'm, my thoughts on have just been just avoid going there just now. You know, when when people pull out snippets and it says he's doing a great job, that's it. I mean, things like that are going to be taken the the wrong way. And you know, I can't look at it either. I'm sure no one. I, I can't imagine she could even look at it and say right now as a manager his. He's doing a great job. I mean, well, but but, you, but there's there's the thing, Laurie. There's the thing we're talking about in isolation. Craig I, Levine has done, has done a great job behind mm-hmm. the scenes 
um, with the academy, putting building blocks in place. Yeah. If the question was, has he done a great job as manager? And she said, yes, then that's different. So you can take anything in isolation. I, I think that was a, a, a broader, he's done a great job as regards to setup. But when it, when it comes to the whole manager, you, you cannot say he's done a great job. And I, I don't think, I'm not trying to defend what, what was said because it's said in isolation here, but it, this is what we do. This is what journalists do, yeah. it's what fans do. You take that in isolation and you manipulate um, yeah. that sentence to, to your needs to, to satisfy an agenda you may have as a, as a supporter. Yes, what I mean is you're going to have to be aware that that's how that's going to be taken. You've got to be aware that that's what they're going to focus on and the, and the, and the fans right now are focusing on his job as head coach. You know, they don't want to hear about the other things. And I'm not, you would never expect her to come out and slaughter Craig Levine. It would be counterproductive for everyone. But I guess it's either maybe, do we even go there just now? Or do you be something more diplomatic? Um, but I don't know. I, I get where you're coming from. It's kind of like you, you, you can't win with a lot of these things from her perspective. Um, it's interesting we're talking about Craig Levine now. So you, you, you said in the BBC they have an article up today, which is uh, Wednesday the 28th, um, which mentions the fact it's a two-year anniversary of Levine being put in charge. And the article goes into the fact that, obviously, start of last season, they won eight or ten games. Craig Levine was talking about com comparisons with the 86 team, the same sort of hunger and ambition. But then the comparison now is the fact that their last ten league games, obviously going back to the end of last season as well. We've got two draws and eight losses. No wins in those last ten. Um, interestingly, though, it does have the Hearts manager's win percentage, which is a useful comparison to look at um, because Craig Levine's overall win percentage is not bad in comparison in this second spell. 42% compared to 44% in his first spell, 43% for Jim Jeffries, 31% <clears throat> with Gary Locke, although you understand everyone's got to know there's obviously the mitigating circumstances 58 percent for robbie nielsen you've also got to take into the account the fact that a lot of that was in the championship so you're going to have a higher win percentage and then the 23 percent of ian cathro the interesting caveat to that though is uh, i saw amaruso lets it run sharing stats from um now this is the last 20 league games four managers who have been sacked in the past 30 years i've not verified the the data but he's usually pretty accurate with what he what he puts on and it showed that Levine has in his last 20 games league 20 games got 16 points from 60 available um and then you look through the managers who've been sacked and Cathro 18 John McGlynn 21 Gary Locke 26 Jim Jeffries second spell 22 Shabalazo 28 Jim Jeffries first spell 29 Tommy McLean, 25, Sandy Clark, 28, 25 for Joe Jordan, 32 for Alex McDonald. So it does highlight just how bad recent form has been. But I guess what at what point does the form of the past become not irrelevant, but you can't keep looking back at that, so to speak? It's just numbers now. It, it, it really is. It's got to the stage as a Hearts fan when you're disillusioned by what you're seeing to be honest, you don't really care about second spell numbers. And I know I brought it up last week, but that was a, to, to illustrate a point. Now it's just about results. I'm not interested mm -hmm. in, in how he compares with previous spells of other managers, of, of him first time round. I, I don't care anymore. 
I just care about results. Um, I want the feeling of when we went to Motherwell and, and, and won in the League Cup. I want that feeling more often than not. I don't want that feeling of coming back from Aberdeen, defeat. Ross County should have been a defeat. Celtic didn't even lay a glove on them um, for most of the game. Defeat. Hamilton is, is massive. It, it really is. You have a disillusioned fan base. With the fan base, they're customers. Customers vote with their feet. Customers stop buying merchandise. Hopefully, customers do not stop direct debits because you've got to separate this. That, that should just be a... If you're doing it, that's it. You, as long as your personal circumstances allow, you keep doing it. It shouldn't matter who's in the dugout. Um, that, that should continue. So hopefully, there's no one thinking, well, if, if this continues the way it's going, I'm going to stop the direct debit. That, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about results on the park. We're not talking about managerial records, managerial history, what's going on up to this point. We're talking about from now onwards. That begins Saturday. We're now in, for me, at the stage, there are now no excuses if Hearts don't win games that they should win. And one of those is Hamilton, um, the Ackies on Saturday. We will talk about Hearts against Hamilton and have a quick look ahead to what we can expect from that game. Uh, before we do so, um, last week, Mark put the homework to you uh, of what are the games, the Hearts games that you've missed but really wish that you hadn't. Which are the games you wish you'd gone to but for whatever reason you couldn't make it or you made a decision that you weren't going to go. So uh, thanks everyone for getting in touch. We had a, a good response to this one and there's some um, trends and repeat answers. So uh, one of them that came up, we'll, we'll, we'll highlight here, is started by Fraser Smith, who says, uh, "Was I was down in Newcastle and took in Newcastle against Aston Villa, a boring 1-0 win for Newcastle. Meanwhile, Hearts beat Cowdenbeath 10-0. David Reid responded to Fraser saying, missed the same match, went for a boozy lunch and the rugby, huge error of judgment. Um Ross also then piped in and said exact same game for me. Uh, he went to the Newcastle game as well. He said we had the boys sat around us at Newcastle more interested in the Hearts game than the one we were at. Um, and uh, love of the game, 1987 says uh, missed the same game. Was in London on the piss watching Fulham versus who knows in the Championship with mates. Spent the entire game head in hands as more goals came through from Tiny on my phone. Fully in the knowledge we'll probably never see it again. Um, Lewis Gulland also says, 10-0 Cowdenbeath instead went to see Man United Sunderland gutting. Uh, Gordon Sarkis, when we beat Cowdenbeath 10-0, a rare Saturday off work. Wife suggested I go. Um, I said, no, let's do something nice together. <laughs> 10-0 later takes about six months to see 10 hearts goals these days. Um, and Perth de Paisley also said, I covered this in, uh, in a piece of the programme versus Dundee last season. Cowdenbeath 10-0 always sticks out for me because the old man ended up taking my sister. <laughs> so yes, Hearts 10, Cowdenbeath 0. February 2015, Hearts record league victory. Uh, here's a quick snippet from that match. Here's Callum Patterson. Slides it over Keatings, flicked on to Osmond So, 20 yards out, Osmond So, low drive, it's number 10! It's double figures for Hearts! And it's Osmond So with a double from 20 yards! It's just too easy, Jimmy, you know, yes. isn't it? It is, any shot on target now looks like it's going in and 
Oh, deary, deary me. Robbie Thompson doesn't even move for that one. He's a dishevelled figure of the in goal, but I can't confirm now. This is the point when it says in brackets on the very printer on the, on the score. I'll wait for Scott Wilson to announce it maybe first. He's, he's desperately trying to remember how many goals they've scored. I can't <laughs> confirm, though. It's hard to below the in 10. That's T-E-N. Cowden Beef, nil. Now, that was an enjoyable one to commentate on. And believe it or not, Mark, I had hearts to win by six or more goals. And they did. And they did. And it's the only and time I have ever put on a team to win by six or more goals. And it came yeah, in. Yeah, they were, they were a gang. They were like competition winners at the bottom of the table, and they were dreadful. One of my earlier memories of being a Hearts fan, and it, it sticks for me to, the, to this day, was when we scored seven against Hamilton in December 1986. Sandy Clark, Gary McKay's penalty, Roddy McDonald, John Colquhoun, Sandy Jarden, John Robertson with two. And I thought, I'll never see Hearts score more than seven. <laughs> to score ten, yeah, that, that ain't happening again. With this current Hearts team, there's a decent chance they could go a couple of months without scoring 10 goals, never mind in 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, Ian Veach says, not sure this counts, but I travelled all the way to Liverpool with my brother-in-law in the hope we would get tickets. Managed to get one ticket, so I let him go while I sat in the pub just outside Anfield. Almost got filled in when we scored. <laughs> <laughs> I, I let, that, that's, um, that's very magnanimous. Yeah. Going all that way as well and letting him take the ticket. I hope he, with I hope, your your other half, I was his, well, it was his brother-in-law, so I guess. Um, no, but, but but still, you've got one ticket between two. It's like when you're on a plane with your other half, aye. and the stewardess comes and says, "Oh, uh, you've you've been upgraded. <laughs> you've got a choice to make. One, you don't take it. Two, you go forward and she's nuts. Or three, you're like, and <laughs> uh, uh, you go. Um, yeah, one ticket between two. That that that's a tough one. But got to make a decision. Possibly the wrong decision, but maybe his brother-in-law has returned a similar favourite at some point. Um, you Ed hope so. <laughs> Edinburgh Saints had missed the relegation derby, couldn't get the day off work, so had to keep slyly checking the phone. That was, of course, March 2014, Hearts 2, Hibs nil, which kept the Jambos in the Premiership for at least another week and would eventually contribute to the Highbies going down as well. Another very enjoyable afternoon, Dale Carrick. And Billy King on the score sheet. I can't think of Dale Carrick without thinking of that. Uh, is it that gif of, <laughs> yeah. of, of, of his face? Is it that I think certain people are concerned or associated with hearts uh, brought different things to the table. Wayne Foster will always be remembered as as the guy that scored against Hibs. Uh, Graham Weir will always be remembered for his two goals in stoppage time in the Edinburgh derby. Dale Carrick will always be remembered for that gif. Uh, I will always remember him for the player who, when um, asked to do Hearts TV co-commentary, always said he couldn't because it made him feel physically ill. Um, <laughs> so he always managed to duck out of it. Unlike young Harry Cochran, who came on with me on Sunday at Celtic Park because he was dying to. And um, actually was begging to to come on Hearts TV coverage. I actually, enjoy, I, I see. I actually enjoyed it. That means it's normally shite most of the other weeks. That's rubbish. <laughs> it's not. I should have rephrased that better. I I enjoyed it because 
I thought, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, but part of our job as a commentator, when we've got someone alongside us, at times they can only be as good uh, as the questions that they're asked. And I like the fact that you ask him at the, the right point. It's, it's not a case of, oh, we've got such and such here. Let's forget about the game. Let's ask about him. Um, you ask decent questions at the right time about things that happen in training that we don't have access to as supporters. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's really interesting. And I was actually thinking about this uh, during the game when, when Harry was speaking at times. And if I was ever a manager, which I'm not he, but given the kind of background of, of media and how important I think it is for, for players to understand what they can and, and can't say, uh, most teams take an extra man to a game just in case there's an injury or whatever and they don't want to be short-staffed on the bench. So there's always like a a 19th man or or whatever it is. For me, my rule as a manager would be whoever is the 19th man for an away game would always do the club commentary with the commentator because I think you learn more about the game doing that. Uh, But also it it helps you from a media perspective with, with media training. So I would certainly encourage it as a manager uh, to have the person who was not involved, the one player who was not involved, to, to do the commentary. Um, but also from a commentator's perspective, I thought you got some really nice insights um, from Harry. Uh, who was he talking about? Jake Mulraney uh, being the uh, a big UFC fan. Yeah, said he was um, a bit and, said he was a bit nuts when um, yeah, Ayer squared yeah, up to him. Not not to be messed with, and I'm thinking, see, that's good stuff. I, I actually thought, and I had my kind of my broadcaster slash journalist hat on, um, I, I could record this um, and have a feature uh, in, in a tabloid, Harry Cochran talking about various other things. It's just obviously with, with, with proper um, with, with proper kudos to, to the Hearts TV um, because that's where it was said. But I thought it was interesting and you, you got good stuff out of him as well. And, and hopefully we don't hear him again because he's on the pitch. Not because uh, of, of what he did. I thought he was. I thought he was good on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, he did well. And it's funny. Before we went on, I said, "Are you feeling okay?" And he's like, "I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm really nervous." He said, "This is this is much more nerve wracking than having to go and play football." Isn't that <laughs> I was, interesting? I was like, "Really? This is just we just got to sit here and talk." I mean, surely. Yeah, we... <laughs> but put put yourself in put your put yourself in his shoes or the other way around. Um, Craig. Craig Levine is short of a man. There's a there's a there's a an influenza bug that goes around um, <laughs> the, the bus pre-match, and the only thing left to do is call the Hearts TV commentary team. <laughs> um, how are you feeling prior to kick off the other way around? See, <laughs> let's put the shoe on the other foot here. Your underwear is soiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but um the. How much how much criticism can you draw on, on, on Hearts TV? You can scarcely do much wrong, but I can guarantee if I got thrown in to a Hearts game, no matter the context or how little should be expected of me, I bet I'd still be getting pelters when I got skinned and Celtic went scored, even if I was yes. the club commentator. Yes, how much stick can you get on Hearts TV? I'll show you how much stick you oh, get on God, Hearts yes. TV. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was it was good to have him on, and then we we gone we've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I think good to acknowledge that um, that Harry did very well, and I think you're right. I think you're spot on that um, it's great for players to, I suppose, maybe get over that ner- those nerves and be more comfortable talking to the media 
especially when it's your own club TV, because you're not going to get challenged too much. So you get Correct. comfortable before you get sat in front of the BBC or Sky News, and they might ask you something that's a bit more tricky to answer. And you've maybe, at least if you've got over those nerves and you're a bit more comfortable talking, because like you're suggesting, you know, you and I, you know, put on a football pitch, we'd be absolutely bloody hopeless. Um, put us in front of a mic and we're a bit more comfortable. Whereas the other way around, especially for a young lad, football's their game. You know, if they've got the ball at their feet, they're very comfort- comfortable and confident in what they're doing. But with a mic in front of them, they maybe can't articulate things as well as others. And I guess it's good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, but Harry did very well. So maybe we will get him again. I don't know. But if not, then hopefully we are talking about him rather than with him. A few more games that people have missed that they wish they hadn't. Harry Temple says 1998 Scottish Cup semi-final was working absolutely torture at the time, but the final more than made up for it. Uh, Jimmy McDowell says the 2012 semi was sick to be sick of being pumped by them through there. Didn't watch it on TV. Turned the radio off when they equalised as I knew what was going to happen next. Didn't check my phone to see the score until later as wanted to see how many we lost by in extra time. Well, optimist much, Jimmy. Um, Jamie Jambo says Hearts 5, Aberdeen 0. The last game I missed at Tynecastle because I was working in a restaurant that went bust a couple of weeks later. Uh, that was December 2010. Craig Brown had just taken over Aberdeen. Goals from Templeton, a Skatchel double, Stephen Elliott and Ard Vidas Novikovas for the Jambos. Rachel Carney, uh, Kearney rather, Rachel Kearney, see if you get your head around this one, Mark. Believe it or not, I missed the 1998 Cup final, deciding not to go as they'll just get humped anyway. How wrong was I? No, I'm not having that. I'm not that. <laughs> That, that's what cup finals are not. Um, we're going to get thump. Cup finals are, especially if you're playing against a team that, that you're not expected to win. It's a, You've got to be there just in case. No excuses. Connor says the original 5-1, 4-4 and Liverpool away was too young for the first two and just couldn't afford Liverpool away. So some big games missed there as well. King Danny B says 86 at Dens Park. Um I was only 13 and just assumed that we'd continue the unbeaten run and be champions. But that's a strange one because he's saying that he wishes he'd went. I, that, I bet, that, I bet that, there's some yeah. people who maybe wish they didn't go. See, that, that's an interesting one because I gave you a few last week um, and they were all games that have had a, a, a really good ending or, mm-hmm. or have been a, a, a good win. The one I actually have uh, in front of me that I wanted to mention this week is, is uh, of a similar theme in that it wasn't a Hearts win. Now, it wasn't as important as the, the Dundee uh, at Dens Park on the 3rd of May, 1986, but it was a, a game that um, I missed and at the time was gutted that I wasn't there because I'd been to the semi-final on the Saturday uh, that we drew. It was the Tuesday replay against Airdrieonians in a Scottish Cup semi-final that we lost 4-2 on penalties um, we'd already booked a, a kind of midweek getaway. Um, I think it was during the Easter holidays. Um, so it had already been pre-booked. I think we went up to the Stackis in Aberdeen or somewhere. We, we, I know we weren't there uh, as a family. We'd, we'd gone elsewhere. And I was gutted at the time. This is pre-match that, that I wasn't there. And I, I don't think it was on TV. Um, so we, I think it was a radio only, which made it even worse. 
And it looked like we weren't even getting to extra time and penalties when, when Kenny Black scored after half an hour. And it wasn't until Alan McLaren equalised, you thought maybe. And then you were thinking, well, it could be in the cup final again. Um, first time since since 1986, of course. Uh, and it wasn't to be. So that Airdrie game for me is another one. At that, this was at the time. This isn't looking back going, oh, God, I wish I was there. But it's interesting that we have another one that, that doesn't include a, a Hearts victory mm-hmm. or a, a great moment of our history. Is it sometimes a strange feeling that fans get that they could have made a difference, even though you don't have any influence at all from from obviously the, the terracing or the or the your your seat in the stand? Um there's sometimes that element that, you know, you should be there helping the team, cheering them on, adding your small bit of influence to what could be happening on the park. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I would love to have been in every single Hearts game. When you when you start off supporting your club, um, I, it's funny, I did a piece on Talk Sport last night about Bury and how mums and dads who woke up this morning um, now face the prospect, because this happened late last night, this, they, they kind of face the prospect of telling their sons or their daughters, sorry, you don't have a team anymore. I, I try to put myself in, in, in that position because most of us are heart supporters uh, because of our parents or a family member or, or whatever, and it's ingrained. It's not like a, a an American supporting a Premier League team or a Brit supporting an NFL team where you pick one and you adopt it. You're, you're, it's part of the it's part of the fabric. You, you're you're born uh, into a family. Um, a lot of the time, your your mum or dad or aunts or uncles take you to games, and that's you for life. And imagine being in that position where someone said, and we came pretty close mm-hmm, uh, yeah. to to someone saying, "Sorry, doors are shut. You, you don't have a team to support anymore." So I would love to have gone to every Hearts game, and I'm I'm so pleased that we have uh, Hearts TV and other means of, of which to be able to, to keep in touch with a football team. And it's not always rosy. We know that right now it's not nice, um, knowing that more often than not, we're not going to be happy after games. But I wouldn't change it for the world. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get Ava Grace um, into hearts the way I am. I'll try my best. And if it's not to be, then so be it. But I want to take her to our first game. I don't want to be in a position like them Berry fans, the mums and dads, who will not be able to take their uh, sons or daughters um, to their first game because their their club no longer exists. Swipe left says probably just the '98 Cup final. Another one who missed that. I wish I was there, although I, I certainly would have gone if if the opportunity had arisen at that time. Um, Scott Cowan, uh, outside the obvious ones, I'd have loved to have been at Hibs League Cup party in 2007, uh, which was April 2007. Hibs nil, Hearts won. Marius Zaliukas with a goal that sounded a little bit like this. Driver tries again, all the keepers come for it, not very convincing, and it's been turned in by Zaliukas. And Hearts have struck late on at Easter Road against their fierce rivals. Andy McNeil unable to deal with it. And Hearts may be spoiling the League Cup winning party here. A game which I think I watched in the Gorgie suite uh, at the time, as didn't get a ticket for that one or decided not to go. Can't quite remember the reason. Um, Pint size 94 says the Austin McCann game versus Celtic. Can't even mind why I didn't go, but gave my tickets to my mate, gutted. 
Um, Jamie Devlin. Uh, I have two games I wish I'd gone to. Uh, first being the 98 Cup final. We just couldn't get tickets. Second being Liverpool away. Um, just uh, no longer just got a new car, so I was having to wait till next pay to get tickets. Tickets were sold out before I got paid. Was gutted. Um, Mark Jennings is this is an odd one. 2015 Aberdeen away Jordan McGee game. Travelled up at 15 to spew at the gates and not get in, um, just purely for the reaction to the handball. What? Okay. Yeah, it seems regretted not getting into that game when we obviously lost to a late penalty. Um, I guess it'd be frustrating if you travel all that way only to throw up at the gates and not get in. Um, yeah, I guess he's probably not the only one who's been refused entry in the past to a football game. Uh, Ross, here's one that's came up a few times. Uh, Hearts 4, Celtic 0 was effing working. Um, Greg Wilson says, Hearts 4, Celtic 0 overdid it on the work Christmas night out the day before. Um, and going off previous results against Celtic, I didn't fancy sitting in the cold, hungover and getting a pasting. Oh boy, I was wrong. Woke up at half time to utter devastation. <laughs> Uh, Mark Gregg also says the 4-0 game versus Celtic last season was coaching a team at the time and we played Sunday so gave a couple of my workmates my season tickets. Our team got beat and Hearts won. They never let me forget it. Uh, that was, of course, December 2017. Hearts 4, Celtic 0, which ended Celtic's 69-game unbeaten domestic run and earned Hearts their biggest victory over the hoops since 1895. A good way to end this segment. Uh, a quick listen back to some of that game. Shminovic, another uncomfortable moment. Milikovic to make it three. He does just that. It gets better and better for Hearts. And it really looks, it really looks like they will be the ones to finally beat Celtic in Scotland. That's a penalty we are back. Milinkovic taking the responsibility, side of the foot, low, hard away from Gordon and Celtic's misery is complete Hearts have been by far the better side this afternoon it's just astonishing they have scored four what a team performance okay before we go let's have a quick look ahead to Heart of Midlothian against Hamilton Academical uh, coming up this Saturday uh, so Hearts up against Anaki's team, whose premiership away form is generally pretty poor since the start of 2018. 28 games, won three, drawn two, and lost 23. But this season, they have got three points, which is two more than Hearts. They lost 3-0 away to County. They've beaten Killy 2-0 at home. And then they lost 3-1 at home to Motherwell in the Lanarkshire Derby last weekend. In terms of head-to-head, this is a team that Hearts have been very good against in recent years 31 wins in the last 38 competitive games 15 wins and a draw from the last 16 at home although the one draw was under Craig Levine that said though Hearts did lose their last meeting that was it New Douglas Park or whatever they want to call it these days I know that that isn't important just now Mr Mark Donaldson what do you want to see from this team on Saturday I know you want to see a win um, how do you want to see us set up and play though and we don't want detail but I assume you want us to be very positive and look to take this game by the scruff of the neck, which we haven't done very often recently. 
Two things will dictate what happens on Saturday. The way Hearts starts will dictate whether or not the fans, who are very short of patience right now, are behind them from the off. And two, how Hearts cope with a team that sit in, because we've struggled against teams that come, sit in, content to hit on the break, do it well. Ross County got better and better as the game wore on, got more and more confident. We can't allow Hamilton to get that confidence that, that Ross County uh, gained. We, we have to start well. Uh, there are no excuses now. For me, th- this is it. This is the game that if we don't win or don't show signs, if we lose or if we draw and it's like the Ross County game, then I cannot see a way in which Hearts fans will get back on side with the current setup. So it's win or bust, pretty much. I have to say, I think it is. Because how much longer do we keep going like this? There's so much dis- disillusionment among the spectators right now where a, a win is, is, is not, it's not going to be a piece of wallpaper that's going to paper over the cracks. But we have to have a win to start us on a journey back to uh, where we want to be, um, back to redemption, uh, if you want. It's got to start somewhere because we don't have anything that we've had so far. The Motherwell game is, is clearly in, in isolation because it's surrounded by a defeat uh, and, a, and a poor performance on the other side. So we've not had consecutive games. This has to be the start of Hearts' road to redemption to get the fans back on board. It might not happen with all the fans with the current setup, but it's got to start somewhere. And if it doesn't start this weekend, then it'll never start for me. There won't be enough time. There's not enough patience in the world left to go around if Hearts don't win this weekend. Well, let's hope they do, and the road to redemption does begin. Uh, before we finish this week, do you have any homework you want to put out there? Or? I'm going to leave it to you this week. If you have anything, feel free. If you don't, then um, we will we will move on. We will, we will give our, uh, our class um, a, a week off. So I usually come up with it on the cuff. Uh, or off the cuff, or whatever the hell it is. So if you want to come up with something, I've, I've done enough um, kind of uh, holding over the last 20 seconds to enable you to come up with something. So I look forward to what you are about to say. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> really? Nothing. I've got, I've got nothing. It's just awkward. No. Wow. Okay. Here's one. Here's one. Oh. Off off the oh. cuff. Yes. If you didn't have hearts to support, oh. and you had to pick another team, oh. who would it be and why? And I don't want easy, oh, Man United... Uh, or, or Bayern Munich or something. Less is a good reason for it, but the well, more but the more obscure, I, the better. Like the fact that we see, we had Claudio, who who lives in Brussels and he's Romanian and he supports Hearts. I want something of that level, but reversed. That is why instinctive <laughs> behaviour is the best. None of this preordained, um, already ready. This is what we're going to say. Uh, it's scripted, off the cuff. Love that. Mine, Penny Cook Athletic. I would be done with football at that level um, from a Hearts perspective. You're not going to support another team. Um, Edinburgh City, maybe. But Penny Cook Athletic, 
uh, are my other team. I support two teams. I always look out for two results. And it's my hometown team, Pennycook Athletic, who went through a spell of non-playing members of uh, the Scottish Junior Football Association, as it was, um, as they were at the time. They're now a, a member of the, the, the Scottish Football Association, having elected to leave the junior ranks and go senior. They're playing in the Scottish Cup. They could... Uh, the, the actual game that they played in the Scottish Cup um, recently was their first since they played Hearts 80 years ago and lost 14-2. So they, <laughs> they would be my team. Junior football is brilliant, or at that level, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, it's raw, and there's a lot of time games con conflict uh, when, obviously, I would go to see Hearts. But I wouldn't have any doubt whatsoever. I would go and watch Pennycook Athletic home and away. Uh, should that ever happen, um, which, of course, we hope it wouldn't. Great question. Yep, so let us know. Tweet at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk uh, with your homework answer, which is if you didn't have hearts to support, if hearts did not exist, then who would be your team and why? Uh, so we'll talk about that next week and we'll also talk about hearts against Hamilton, hopefully some positivity. Uh, until then, thank you for tuning in. You're going to see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. As football guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?